Well, good. Hey, wow. A little bit loud. We'll get it that figured out. Awesome. Glad you guys are here. Thanks for doing that with us. Thanks for praying with us. I like doing that with you, Mr. Isaac there. And uh, just good to uh, publicly dedicate our children and do it as a community. Amen? So I'm glad you guys are here. And we've been in this series uh, really for a while now. <laughs> I don't know if we realized that it would even be this long, but we just had sense from the Lord this whole year. Uh, the Lord has been calling us to learn how to pour our lives into other people here at this church where uh, we like that phrase from Matthew 10.8 when Jesus commissions his disciples. He says, what you have freely received, freely give. And we at this church, we love to receive from the Lord. We have no problem receiving from the Lord here. Uh, no shame in receiving all the grace and the blessings and the promises he wants to give us because that's his desire. It's his will. And so just like uh, kids have uh, no problem receiving gifts, uh, no problem receiving gifts here at this church, but we're called not just to be uh, little children, we're called to mature up in the Father's house and partner with Father God in the family business of making disciples, of pouring into other people, to give away to other people what we, we have received. And so these last number of weeks we've been learning how to make disciples from Matthew 28, uh, the Great Commission. We've been not just learning that it is our calling, right? It, we've been learning that every single one of us who are believers, who are walking in the way of Christ, are called to partner with Jesus to reproduce ourselves and other people. And of course, when we say make disciples, we don't mean to make them our disciples. We mean to lead them to Jesus. That's what we've been learning these last number of weeks, to simply become people's friends in a sincere, loving way and to partner with the Lord as we journey in friendship with people to point them to the Lord and, uh, and to help them to know Him or to know Him better. If they know Him, to help them to know Him better. And if they don't know Him, to help them to know Him. And so, you know, those of you who are not Christ followers, it's, it's really just simply this series has flowed out of our heart to love people and to give to them what we believe is the greatest gift, and that is uh, reconciliation with uh, our Creator through Jesus Christ. And so we've been learning this for the last number of weeks, and in fact, uh, in fact, uh, la- last two weeks we've been talking about discipling our kids. And I had sensed in my spirit, really for months now, that we would uh, that we need the power of the Spirit. In order to do what God has called us to do, we really need the power of the Spirit. And so the Lord put on our heart today to do what we're calling a commissioning service. We want to commission you to the Great Commission. Those of you who are part of New Community, uh, you're partnering with us in our calling to impact this community, to see people's lives transformed. And no matter what ministry you're a part of, everything we do around here is connected to a soul. And those of you who, who aren't necessarily partners with New Community, but you're, you're a Christ follower, like I said, every believer is called to partner with Jesus to make disciples. And we want to commission you to the Great Commission. In fact, turn with me to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Let me uh, show you this. Lord, we pray you'd give us insight and prepare our hearts to receive everything you have for us today. And so... In Acts chapter 1, Jesus had been hanging out with his disciples for 40 days after his resurrection. And it says in uh, verse 4, And being assembled together with them, he, referring to Jesus, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. The promise of the Father. In fact, many of your translations have it as a capital P. Because it, it's the promise of all promises. The Holy Spirit. 
And he says, wait for the promise of the, Spirit, uh, for the, promise of the Father, for the promise which is going to come from the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put into his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, they, like many of us, they want to know, when's the end coming? When's Jesus going to come back and restore the kingdom and finish all the things? And he says, that's not for you to know. You don't need to worry about that. And the same is true today. Although we long for Jesus' return, it's not up to us to know those things. He says, don't worry about it. That's not for you to worry about. I got something for you, though. You have an assignment. You have an assignment to take the gospel to all the nations. Make disciples, lead them to me in all the nations. Can you imagine being one of the disciples, right? Thousands of years ago, you're one of the disciples, you're hanging out with Jesus, and you have seen him rise from the dead. And can you imagine the Lord saying to you, I'm going to send you into all the world, and I want you to take this message as good news about how I have died for people's sins so they could be made right with God. I want you to take that good news into all the world. I want you to lead them to me, make disciples of me, and then teach them how to obey all my commands. And, and can you imagine your, how you would feel? I think that would be a little overwhelming, you know? Oh, man, you know it. You want us to do what? And then he says to you, but don't go yet. I want you to wait. I mean, I don't know about you. Part of me might think, well, you want us to go or you want us to wait? Which one is it, you know? Which, one, which, which command do I obey? You know, this is very common with the Lord. I don't know if you ever noticed this, but it's very common for him to give you a commandment. In fact, to give you an assignment for your life. And then say, but I've got some things I need to work in you first. See, the Lord wanted and needed to do something in the disciples before they would go out. See, the call to make disciples, it's a big deal. And we can't do it in our own ability. We can't do it in our own strength. We need the Lord. I was thinking about Christmas, you know, because we're getting ready here, preparing our hearts, as Sean said. You know, one of the most repeated phrases Jesus uses of himself is that he was sent. We know that Jesus came willingly to lay down his life because he loves us. But over and over again, Jesus uses the word of himself, the Father sent. I've been sent. Over and over again, he talks about being sent. He left the glory heaven. He left his Father, the scriptures say, to become a human being. The word became flesh. And he embraced a call from God. Obviously, he was in complete alignment with the will of God. But you remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, when, right before the cross, he said, Father, not my will, but your will. He, there, there was that, that fear, because he knew exactly what he was going to do. He was not just going to die on a Roman crucifix. He was going to bear the sin of all humanity. He, and he said, Father, I choose your will. You sent me to fulfill our plan to redeem human beings. I fully embrace that. 
he understood that he was a sent one and he was completely submitted to the will of the Father. And I was thinking about that. That's really the, the point of Christmas. Christmas is the beginning of Jesus' mission, isn't it? It's when he was born of a virgin, the Word became flesh. God's Son became a human being and he was born. But it's because he was sent by the Father. And when Jesus rose from the grave on the very first Easter, he told his disciples, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. See, just like we need Jesus' righteousness on the inside of us in order to live his life, when he died, he took our sin and he gave us his righteousness. It's impossible to be made right with God except through Jesus' righteousness being given to us. And it's impossible to, to produce the character of Christ in us unless he gives us his character, his righteousness. It's why those who put their trust in the Lord are born again by the power of the Holy Spirit. We know that, right? In Romans 8, it says that anyone who belongs to Jesus has the Spirit of Christ living in them. He's empowering us, working His character in us, His love, His joy, His peace, His patience, His kindness, His goodness, His gentleness, His faithfulness, His self-control. It's impossible to love like Jesus loves without His Spirit living on the inside of us. In the same way, Jesus knew that we could not fulfill the Great Commission, not, not corporately as the church and not personally as individuals, without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Father God gave to Jesus the Holy Spirit, that when Jesus ascended, that Jesus would pour out the Holy Spirit upon us, his people, and give us the same power he had and the same uh, 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 boldness and the same anointing that Jesus had to fulfill the same mission that Jesus had. As the Father sent me, so I send you, Jesus said. And as I needed the power of the Holy Spirit, you guys need to wait. So can you imagine being one of those disciples saying, your mission is to partner with me. Go bring the nations to me. That's the assignment. But wait, because you can't do it in your own human effort. You need my Spirit. See, the Spirit comes in us for our sake and makes us righteous in Christ. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit that Jesus is talking about here in Acts chapter 1 is when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, giving us the ability to be His witnesses. To preach the gospel with boldness. To lay our hands on people and see them healed. This is the power that Jesus wants to give us because we need his power to partner with him to fulfill the great commission. You'll notice that this is 40 days after Jesus' resurrection. 40 days after Jesus had given them the Holy Spirit. And yet he says to them, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you the promise of the Father. And he says specifically what happens when the Spirit comes upon us. Do you see that? But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Comes upon you. See, these disciples, they were already believers in Christ. They were already made righteous. 
John chapter 20, when, the Holy, when Jesus rose from the grave, he breathed upon the disciples. They were born again. But this is 40 days later, right before he ascended. And he says, you guys need to wait because you need something. Just like Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit to preach good news and to heal the brokenhearted and to set captives free, so he says, I am going to give you that same Holy Spirit to empower you. I don't know about you. It can be kind of frightening to share the gospel at times. Sometimes we can hold back. Lord, what do I need? Lord, I, I want to do your will. I want to do your will. How? The answer is simple. I need my spirit. Just like we need the Lord to walk in righteousness and holiness and to obey him in any area, so we need his power. And the Lord doesn't want us to just have a message to give to people. He wants us to give him him. He wants us to give to people the kingdom that's why when Jesus came, he didn't just have a story to tell people. He didn't just have a, a message to give people. He would tell them, I'm here to heal the broken hearts. I'm here, here to set the captives free and to open the eyes of the blind. And then what would he do? He would do it. Amen? Did he say, God loves you. God loves you, but I'm sorry that you're in pain. Oh, did the leper come to Jesus and say, if you're willing, you can make me clean? And he said, I am willing, but it's just not your time right now. And you've got to understand that the kingdom is now and it's not yet. And, you know, and it's just not yet for you. And did he talk like that? He didn't talk like that. He preached the gospel. And then what happened? People's lives were changed, weren't they? People who were in prostitution were delivered and walked as disciples of Jesus. People who were demonized were set free. Women who were crippled for 18 years stood up. Lives were transformed because the gospel is true and is the power to save, heal, deliver all those who would put their trust in Jesus. So that's what we get to do. We get to preach Jesus to people. We get to minister Jesus to people. And we need His Spirit in order for that to happen. We need His Holy Spirit. I love it because about 10 days later, of course, you know the story in the book of Acts, the disciples sought the Lord for 10 days. They prayed. They waited on the Lord. And in Acts chapter 2, as they were seeking the Lord and praying, the Holy Spirit was poured out on all of them. As they sought the Lord, there were women, Mary the mother of Jesus, she was there, the brothers of Jesus, 120 disciples, at least men, and there could have been uh, others beyond the 120, that, uh, uh, some people think the 120 is uh, just men, and then it could have been uh, the ladies as well, and they're all there seeking the Lord together. It says in chapter 2, then suddenly, in verse 2, there came a sound from heaven as of mighty uh, rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. 
Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues, which simply just means languages, languages that they hadn't learned before in, in high school, you know? Right? They hadn't taken Spanish one, two, three, four, or whatever. I'm just messing. Okay. They hadn't learned these languages. It says here, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues or other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. As the Spirit gave them utterance. Meaning, these were in Spirit-enabled, Spirit-empowered languages. If I've got a glass sitting on this table and I take some orange juice and I fill this glass up with orange juice and I keep filling and I keep filling and I keep filling... It's going to overflow, right? And what's going to overflow from the glass? Orange juice. What's going to spill all over the table? Orange juice. What do I have to clean up? Orange juice, right? What happens when you're being filled and filled and filled and filled? What happens when you're being baptized or inundated with the Holy Spirit, immersed in the Holy Spirit? What overflows? The Holy Spirit. And he enabled these people to speak in a language they had never learned. And it was the evidence that they were overflowing with the power of the Spirit to proclaim the message with boldness, to minister in the power of the Holy Spirit. How many of them were filled? Well, except for Bob, right? Right? Except for that one disciple. You know? Except for that one dude. No, all of them, right? All of them. Was Mary the mother of Jesus? She spoke in tongues, you realize that? Right? All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke with other languages. But it didn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. Because the uh, Apostle Peter, he says to them when he's preaching the gospel, to the 3,000 people who get saved and baptized in water, when he's preaching the gospel, he says to them that this fulfills the prophecies that were in Joel, that are for men and women. And he goes on and he says to them, if they receive the Lord, in verse 38, He says, repent, which just means turn, turn your life to the Lord, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission or forgiveness of your sins, meaning that they would would make Jesus their Lord, signifying that by being dunked in water. They come up out of that water, baptized in the name of the Lord. And as they come up out of the water, he says, he says, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I wonder what that is. It's the same thing that just happened, right? He's not talking about something else. He's talking about what they just saw and witnessed and what he just prophesied would happen in Joel chapter 2. It's been fulfilled by Jesus. It's been poured out by Jesus, right? Who He is the baptizer of the Holy Spirit. And he says, verse 39, for this promise, what promise? What promise? The gift of the Holy Spirit. What promise? The promise that Jesus said that you'd be baptized in the Holy Spirit and receive power to be my witnesses. That same promise that Jesus just talked about. The same promise that they just received. That promise, he says, for that promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. How many? All. Whoever would call upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says, will be saved. We don't receive forgiveness of sins by our own works, do we? We receive it by putting our trust in the Lord and in His righteousness. And in the same way, he says, anyone who would call upon the Lord will receive this promise of the Spirit to be empowered to be my witnesses. And isn't this what we see in the church of Acts? Isn't this what we see? A church Thousands of believers meeting in homes, meeting in the temple, 
seeking the Lord, studying the Word of God, being discipled, worshiping God, and enjoying the favor with God and man. And miracles are happening all over the place in the, in the book of Acts through these different disciples. And people are coming to Jesus every single day. Why is that? Because the power of the Holy Spirit. Where did Peter get that boldness to preach to people that could have just stoned him to death? Where did Peter get that to lay hands on a man who had not walked and he just stands right up? How is it that Peter's own shadow healed people? How did that happen? Where did Philip, just an ordinary average disciple of Jesus, where did Philip get that boldness from? How did Philip go to the Samaritans and preach the gospel and cast out demons and heal the sick? Where did that, how did that happen? Because he'd been discipled, because he'd been filled with the Spirit, because he'd been a part of this church in Jerusalem. Amen? In fact, the disciples, I'm sorry, the apostles, the specifically the, those 12 apostles, those leaders of the church, felt this was so important that if you look in Acts chapter 8, You look in Acts chapter 8, when, when Philip leads these Samaritans to Jesus, the apostles hear about it, and they're, they're excited. Verse 14 in chapter 8, he says, Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they may, might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. See, they had already received the word, just like the disciples had before they were baptized in the Spirit. And they had been baptized in water. These people were born again. These people were believers. And yet, do you notice that there is a very distinct thing that has been promised in the word and yet had not been received by them yet. They, the Holy Spirit had not come upon them. The Holy Spirit had come on the inside of them, but the Holy Spirit had not been poured out on them and they had not been anointed yet. And do you see how important it is that these apostles show up? These apostles show up and they say, oh, good, you guys have gotten baptized in water, but the Holy Spirit? I mean, I don't know if they asked them this question specifically, but do you realize that they say, oh, the Holy Spirit hasn't come upon them yet. Hey, let's lay hands on them. Let's lay hands on them. And let's make sure they get what the Lord wants to give them. You see how important this is? I could take you through the rest of the book of Acts, but I don't have time. You can read it another time. It happens again and again and again in the church of Acts. In fact, when you get to like Corinthians, which is one of the churches that the Apostle Paul planted way out there, Miles away from Jerusalem, one of the churches that Paul plants, they're all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they're moving in the gifts of the Spirit. Healing, word of knowledge, prophecy, you can read about it in 1 Corinthians 12. What's happening? They're overflowing in the Spirit because they've, been, they've received this from the Lord through Paul's ministry. Every church we see in the New Testament, we're filled with the Spirit and moved in the power of the Spirit. This is how important the apostles felt that it was that people who accept Jesus would receive all that Jesus has for them. Amen? Why? Why? Because every believer is a minister. 
Because every believer is commissioned to go and take the gospel. Not just a few people. Not just a few. The Bible tells me, Ephesians chapter 4, and I'm not the only one here at this church who's one of the elders and pastors of our church, but the Bible tells me to equip God's people for the work of their ministry. You have a ministry. You have a calling from the Lord that he wants you to walk worthy of. And I have a job to do, and that is to equip you, which means to bring healing and restoration in your life and then to empower you. You know, just like uh, Jenny just graduated, just like uh, uh, you know, some other people graduated that aren't here today, there's a point at which you've been trained and then you get, you, you graduate, don't you? You get sent out from that school to go get a career, or in our, you know, in our case, go do some ministry and stuff. As, as those who have been called, you know, like for me, I've been called to, to, to minister in the church. Right? The Bible says that my role is laboring among you. You labor out there more. I mean, I, I labor out there too, but, but we all have a ministry, and we're all called. My ministry is to equip you for your ministry. Just like so Jenny has graduated, then she gets sent out. Now we need that kind of graduation, don't we? Now you never graduate from the church. You never graduate from being a part of a community. We're not a school. <laughs> you know, That's the big difference, right? We're a community. We're a family. You never graduate from that necessarily. But even our own kids grow up and leave the nest, right? There's a sense that we as the church need to be equipped We need to grow up in the Lord, then go give it away. Like I said, you never stop needing the word. You never stop needing community. Just like Jenny, man, she might go on and get a master's degree. Or, the, you know, we all, we're all like keep reading books. You keep growing in your career, right? You keep, have to keep learning new skills. You might change different positions in, in, a, in, your, in your workplace. You know, some of you who are older, you've had to make career changes, and it can be tough. You have to relearn some things. So what I mean is, of course, we're always going to keep learning. We're always going to keep growing. The Lord might shift. And, and, and bend our own calling. So it's not like I said, when I say graduate, I don't mean like you're done learning or done receiving, but there is a commissioning, isn't there? And see, I believe that these apostles understood, let's get the God's people filled with the Spirit right away. Let's get them commissioned right away so that we're not like having a season of our life where we're self-focused. But I love what Jesus says, freely you have received Freely give. Who was he saying that to? To disciples who had only been around him for, oh, I don't know, a year or so? You know, Jesus, I'm really not ready. I've got some issues in my life. You know, in fact, Jesus, I really got some pride in my life. And what happens if I deny you one day? What happens if I deny you? You know, or what happens if I really step out in faith and then I, like, I, I fall short and I start, you know, sinking in water? Peter had issues, yeah? He needed to keep receiving. But Jesus, in all of his infinite wisdom, believed that Peter needed to start giving too. Yeah? I'm not ready. I think Jesus would say, I don't even think he'd say you are ready. I think he'd just say, I think if, if we said, well, Jesus, I don't think you're ready. I think he'd say, so what I want you to do, <laughs> I don't even think he would pay attention to that. Why? Because he has so much confidence in us. He has so much confidence that he commissioned us to go make disciples of all nations. 
What I find interesting here, it says that they laid hands on them. Verse 17, and they laid hands on them. This is very common in the church of Acts. This is very common in the New Testament, but it comes from the Old Testament, of course. I won't give you too much history, but the laying on of hands was an impartation, a transferring from the people who have what God has given them to give to people who need it. It's not the only way people receive the Spirit, and it's not the only way to receive things from the Lord, and it's not like magic, all right? You need to believe the Lord. You need to receive by faith. And also, you need to walk out what God's going to give to you. But there really is, you can see here in this story, as well as all throughout the Bible, there really is something that happens when someone lays hands on another person and even anoints them with oil, the Bible says, oil as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And there's an anointing and an impartation that happens. Paul says this to Timothy in uh, 1 Timothy. He's referring to uh, Timothy's past, actually. And he says, uh, oh, he's reminding him of something. And he says to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, Timothy was a young pastor, uh, one of Paul's disciples, and he says, Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine, Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Hear what Paul's talking about? He's saying that sometime in the past, some elders of the church, which are the pastors of the church, came together and laid hands on Timothy. And when they were laying hands on him, they prophesied over him. Meaning they spoke his destiny over him. They spoke about his gift that God had given him to give away to others. Whatever grace was on Timothy's life, whatever Timothy was called to do, they had spoken over it with prophecy. Right? Prophecy calls forth someone's destiny and deposits inside of them a gift from the Lord that needs to be cultivated. And he says to him, don't neglect that gift. It hasn't fully come to fruition yet. You need to keep cultivating it. Later, Paul says, fan into flame. He says to Timothy, fan into flame. See, today, we are going to lay hands on you. The elders of our church are going to lay hands on you. We like to actually do what the Bible says. Instead of just read it. We're going to lay hands on you, and we're going to commission you. We're going to anoint you with oil, and we're going to lay hands on you, and we're going to impart something to you. And we're going to declare over you that you are commissioned to the Great Commission, that you are anointed of the Lord, like Jesus, like it was said of Jesus. You are anointed of the Lord to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the sick, raise the dead, open the eyes of the blind, to set captives free, to heal broken hearts. That whatever your calling is, we want to commission you in that calling. And I guarantee you, when we lay hands on you, you will receive something from the Lord. Whether you feel it or not, faith is not about feelings. Whether you feel it or not, you will receive something from the Lord. It's like a seed that gets put inside of us. And if you'll cultivate it, it will grow and increase in your life. Now, when we lay hands on you, many of you may receive a prophetic word. You may not even realize it's a prophetic word. Somebody might just quote a verse over you. And you'll think, man, God didn't speak to me. No, no, have eyes to see and ears to hear. If they say anything over your life, it could probably, very likely be a word from the Lord in seed form that if you'll take that, it's a gift that's being given to you by prophecy, 
and the Lord's depositing something inside of you, then I recommend to you, I encourage you, I ask you, well, first of all, I ask you to do a couple things here. The worship team is going to come up, and we're going to worship the Lord for a little bit longer. And I ask you that you really give yourselves to the Lord in worship. And the Lord wants to maybe speak to you while you're worshiping and fill you up while we're worshiping. And then I'm going to have the elders come on up here, and I'm going to invite every one of you to come and receive prayer. And I hope you'd come. and Let us lay hands on you. And you're going to receive something. And so, and the last thing is, if you receive a prophetic word, I want to encourage you to write it down. Just like Habakkuk 2 says, to write the vision, make it plain on tablets, that he who reads it may run with it. It's important that we write down those prophetic words so we remember them. Whether it's or a vision or whatever, the Lord wants you to meditate on those prophecies as well as on the word of God itself. And he wants you to meditate on those things because as Paul said to Timothy, it will cultivate that gift. It will bring forth confidence and faith in you for you to fulfill your calling. One of my favorite stories is Ananias. There's a man named Ananias. We don't even know anything about him except that he was a disciple living in Damascus. How did he get saved? Probably in the Jerusalem revival. And yet he moved up to Damascus, which is probably his hometown. And here's Ananias, just loving on Jesus, spending time with Jesus like we do every day around here. Because here's a man who's not a leader in the church who's just loving Jesus and he hears from the Lord and he goes and does it. And God uses Ananias to lead Paul to the Lord. Why? Because Ananias had been commissioned. He'd been anointed. He'd been discipled. More than likely in Jerusalem. Here he was, ready to do the will of the Lord. God has assignments for you. could be in your workplace, definitely to disciple your kids, in your neighborhood, friends and family. Everywhere you go, everywhere, everywhere we go, people are there and people are our ministry. And the Lord wants, I've, I've, I've envisioned this for years, prayed and cried out to God, make us a church full of Ananias. That every single one of us, filled with the Holy Spirit, walking with the Lord, spending time with the Lord, we're ready to hear his voice, and do his will. Amen? All right. Let's do it. Worship team, prayer team's coming up. Elders, come on up. And, uh, and uh, they're going um, to get in position. Go ahead and stand with me. I'm going to pray over you corporately, and then we're going to start worshiping, and we're going to invite you to come and receive from the Lord. Now, it's going to be a little chaotic. I want you guys to stand right up here in the front. It might be a little chaotic in the sense that, uh, I don't know, there's no aisles or something like that. So, what I want you to do is just kind of start, as, we, as you're worshiping the Lord, just come on up and get in line or, or go up to one of these prayer team or one of these elders. And so, uh, as many of you know, these are, uh, these are the elders of our church right here, the various pastors of our church. We want them to specifically lay hands on you because we are to equip you 
All right. So go ahead and just begin to receive from the Lord. Maybe put your hands out in front of you if you'd like. But I declare over you that you are anointed with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord. You are anointed to point people to Jesus and to bring them the good news. And you are anointed to open hearts to Jesus and to bring healing to their hearts, to their family, to their marriage, even to their physical body. I declare over you that you will lay your hands on the sick and they will recover. That in the name of Jesus, you'll command demons to leave and they will leave. I declare over you that you will love people and the light, the light of Jesus' love will pierce through darkness. I declare hearts will be open to you that even from this day forth, you will see greater openness in people's hearts to you. I release favor in your hearts in relationships, favor in friendships, favor at work and among your neighbors. I declare doors will be opened. Opportunities will come your way to just to, to love people, to bless them, and to share Jesus with them. And I declare you have eyes to see the hurting and the broken. I release compassion upon you right now in Jesus' name. That your hearts would break with love and compassion the way Jesus, Jesus' heart was moved with compassion. That you will see. You will see the hurting and the broken. You will see the lost. You will see them. You will see the least. You will see the little. You'll see the lost. And you will stop. The Lord will give you courage. I declare boldness over you. Boldness and courage to stop for the one. To see the one that no one else sees. And to love the one that is hard to love. I declare the Lord will cause you to overcome fear and insecurity and see breakthrough in your own life. I declare increase in anointing and favor and blessing for your ministry. I declare fruitfulness in your ministry. And I declare that all of your children will know the Lord and be taught by the Lord and great will be their peace. That your whole household, your whole household will be saved in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our church. Thank you, Lord. Let's worship the Lord.